1: Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey.
0: A word of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes some strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to a special edition of True Crime Daily, the podcast. I'm your host, Anna Garcia. Everyone in the world of true crime has a story to tell about a case they worked on or that they lived through. Some are high profile, some you have never heard of, but they are all fascinating. Today's case is about how a young mother of two with a cute little pixie haircut managed to fool the world into believing that she was dying of cancer in order to con people into giving her money. This went on for years. Prosecutors say that her blog and her social media were filled with fake photos of her pretending to be sick and getting treatments. She even shaved her head to make it look like chemo had taken her hair. The woman was ultimately busted by the IRS in 2019 and charged with wire fraud. This case is the subject of a new podcast called Scamanda, the story of Amanda C. Riley and how she used social media to commit this fraud unkind, giving people, many of whom had lost loved ones, to cancer themselves. Here's a clip from the podcast.
2: She was putting out this blog like a weekly couple times a week and it was really like a soap opera it was very easy to get sucked into the writing of it I'm a stage 4
1: refractory blood cancer patient she had very little time to live two beautiful young boys very undeserving it was so much back and forth you're healed and then you're back and then you're healed and then you're back terminal miracle terminal miracle
2: so a lot of us did donate money
1: I prayed for her every single night. I thought good intentions could save her.
2: I received an anonymous email. They basically said there's someone out there you need to know about. And if you could do anything about it, you should. They served a search warrant on the house. They have guns, they have SWAT.
1: I received a notification from the Department of Justice. It was shocking to say the least. Listen to Scamander now, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Scamander the podcast is produced by Lionsgate Sound and two amazing journalists, Nancy Muscatello and Charlie Webster, who join me now. Welcome, ladies. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank Thank you. Thank you for having us. Are we? we Oh, my gosh. I mean, some of you may recognize Nancy. She's been on the podcast before. Uh, Nancy and I have worked together for years. Nancy's like an incredible true crime producer. Charlie, you are an amazing journalist. You work here. You work overseas. You've covered some of the biggest cases in the world. So putting you two together is like perfection.
1: Thank you. I think we're that's so kind. I don't know what you think, Nancy, but I think the two of us together are like, you know, we're definitely like the dog with the bone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, and you're dangerous. You're perfect and you're dangerous. Both of you are. This case to me is unbelievable because here is a person who, you know, it's hard for us to believe that someone would pretend to have cancer, that someone would pretend... To share the worst parts about what it is to fight cancer. To do this in such a public way, we're always like sucked in by, by people like this. I think I do believe people are good natured and I do believe people want to help, which is probably why Amanda got away with this for as long as she did. Nancy, how could you investigate a case that is so complicated because of, you know, HIPAA laws and things like that? How can you even prove that someone doesn't have yeah. cancer?
2: Well, yeah, yes, that is really extremely difficult. And and just like you said, you know, you don't want to believe that in anybody. Right. So when when you get the tip or you get the information that, oh, no, this is what someone's doing it, you have to reset and, and try and look at it through a different lens. And then you maybe genuinely want to look at somebody. And, you know, that's hard to do. It's, it's, not, it's not a comfortable place to go to think, wow. Yeah. Someone can be so vile. Right. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's a very slow, tedious process because um, no no one wants to believe it. And getting to the ears of people to say, no, I think this is what she's doing. Um, yeah. It's just not a comfortable pl- position to be in. <laughs> Charlie, isn't this like a classic fraud case? You know, because
0: it's always the scam. Yeah. based on someone in trouble who plays on on our goodness and our good nature?
1: That's such a good question because I'm not actually sure it really is. Because one thing that I find, so look, when Nancy first contacted me, I questioned Nancy. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> I love Nancy. But I did, I questioned her and then I started to get sucked in and I don't see myself as a you know I think we have this thing where oh oh no I'm I, I, a lot of the I'm going to call them victims because they were listed as that in the case we like you know I don't I don't understand I'm not naive like I'm and we blame ourselves right and I'm not naive but I was going through the blog posts of Amanda who is mm-hmm. um, and I was like no way there's pictures of her in hospital there's um, it's just so detailed, so convincing, and so out there. And to go to your question is, I don't think so, no, because even when the heat got turned up, well, the heat got on her and then got turned up, she made it even more public. She didn't hide away. She didn't run away. She went forward, and she then accused Nancy of things, and Nancy can speak to that, because it. Beca- I know it became very personal for Nancy. Um, but then she actually thought she was cleverer and better and maybe that is typical than the police um than the irs then than nancy then than any of her people that she was manipulating but i think what is typical about it is so it's not about the money really and it's and i don't think it necessarily was for her It's the manipulation, the emotional abuse that I think underpins this. That maybe is typical. And your opening was wonderful, Anna, because you said, "This she's got this pixie haircut. She's cutesy." And there you go. She's not this monster that we think criminals are. She's w- lovely. She's polite. She's charming. She's beautiful. She's um, empathetic. She. She connects with you. She she understands you, and you can see how easy it was for her to convince people to help her. Oh, you know, it's like, uh, yeah. It's,
2: it's like they say, you know, it's it's never the crime; it's the cover up. You mm-hmm. know. And yeah. another thing, you know, th- she's not the first person to fake cancer and collect money, right? You you do hear about it a lot, and, and but Critically, yeah, right. Would. <laughs> you would yeah. not think it, but it's becoming, unfortunately, something that's more common, and. In most situations, when you read about those cases, it's, you know, Sheriff Bob goes down and says, knock, knock. Hey, Amanda, we hear you're doing this. Do you have cancer? Oh, my God, I I don't. I'm so sorry. I did. You know, that's not Amanda Riley. Amanda Riley, like just like Charlie said, as people maybe question or things kind of heated up, it was it was even more aggressive and more public after that it, it, it didn't she didn't <laughs> she didn't pull back right she doubled Never. down she doubled, doubled down.
0: down so i i just want to catch everyone up and then you're going to take us deep into this story so um we're talking about amanda c Riley here and in may of 2022 amanda who was 37 at the time was sentenced to five years in prison after she pleaded guilty to one count of wire fraud now Federal prosecutors say that the scam began somewhere in 2012, approximately in San Jose, California, and at least 349 people have been identified by the authorities as victims, people who were swindled by her. And the government puts the fraud at about one hundred thousand dollars but you all believe it's far <laughs> yeah. more than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason why is factually, it's not even a belief is because they only included what was sent over the wires, hence wire fraud. So it was what was done on the internet online. But so many people gave cash donations. They gave in-kind donations through food, through babysitting, through one one woman we found even gave her own plasma. So oh. all, the, and all the cash, which we know there was so much cash that was given, wasn't actually included. And they weren't included as victims.
0: So what do you think I, the ballpark is here, Nancy?
1: So for me, I
2: know... During the investigation, each time she would, because she thanked a lot of people for a lot of money and a lot of things, right? So just in tallying up what was thanked and not wire donations, I was up to about eighty thousand at, at one point before, because I did I couldn't see obviously what was coming in through her support page. So just from what she publicly thanked and from what was reported, even through some people saying, you know, I gave three thousand or I gave. So, yeah, I was up to almost about 80, give or take. um, And then more came in after that, that she thanked people for for different fundraisers. So, uh, you know, and then people gave her trips, right?
0: Right. I'm people sorry. would people would give her trips, not just oh. supposedly to get treatment, but just like, you know, how like with um, these different charities that make wishes come through for people oh, who are that, ill or dying.
2: Touching upon that. That's there was, you know, concert tickets, football tickets, um, first class airfare to eight trips to New York. You know that there's there was a lot of in- Broadway shows. Yeah, so Broadway, Broadway shows.
1: shows. Uh, you
2: know, Charlie mentioned um uh, babysitting, you know, uh, people donated a lot of time. Uh, activities for the kids: gymnastics, tennis lessons, mm-hmm. swim lesson. You know, it's a yeah, lot. It's a crazy. lot of very, very good-hearted people.
0: Yeah, oh, that- it it kills me. The prosecutors say that Amanda Riley falsified medical records. She forged physicians' letters, and that she attacked anyone who challenged her. Nancy being the top person here. I. I she had a blog, and then I'll, I'm going to hand it over to you, because I know there's so much for you to tell us here. So she started this blog, Lymphoma Can Suck It. Was that the name of it? Okay. Yeah. And so that was kind of like the, I guess, the beginnings of this to a point, at least the public part of it. So somebody, one of you, take us in here and tell us the story about how Amanda began this whole cancer story which turned out
2: to be completely false go ahead charlie because you you tell it so well go ahead
1: i was like who's gonna go who's gonna go Go i start it and then you pick up okay and then you pick (laughs) up (laughs) Um, so she started this blog anna as you said called lymphoma can suck it and it was the heyday 2012 it was the heyday of blogs so There was no, well, there was no TikTok. It didn't even exist. Instagram was kind of starting and influencers, I don't think was a term. Mm -hmm. But she was the start of the influencer because she created this blog post and she started to journey her own journey, but with such detail and emotion and intimacy. So people all over the world who could relate to her, who were either cancer survivors or currently struggling um, emotionally as well, not not just physically, as many of us have been touched by cancer in some way. Um, and so you can see how people were drawn into that. But then it became her local community too. So she infiltrated the church. So we know that she wasn't going to church before this. So she started going to church at the same time. And we're talking about a mega church. So that means a couple of thousand at least. Easy, yeah. Um, So that gave her a platform. So she's got a blog post, she's got a church, and then the actual local community of San Jose and the schools. And then she became a head principal of a school and then infiltrated that school too. So it was these different communities plus the online community of how she started to... But it all came from this blog and people were... I mean, Nancy tells it so well because people were just just poured into this blog, as we know from our own experience with social media, you can really, it can help you. You can follow somebody's journey. I know amazing people that post about that, that something they're going through or their trauma and it can help you feel less alone in your own story. Right. And Absolutely. That's, what Amanda, that's what Amanda did. And so people started to follow her and follow her journey. And she didn't, she didn't ask for money to start with. Yeah. it just, Then again, it's like typical, you know, you asked about whether this was typical fraud. I don't think it's typical fraud. I think it's typical abuse because it was was bit by bit. So it's the grooming process. And Mm -hmm. then she started to ask for money when she got your attention.
0: And that's it. The attention, the amount of attention that she got. And she was the star of her own movie. She had the starring role in this plot that she had written this narrative. And it's interesting how it's sentencing her brother. I always find this interesting. You know, the person is pleads guilty, is sentenced. And yet family, friends, fellow teachers still stand there in the courtroom supporting Uh, her.
2: Not standing. They just wrote letters. No one showed up.
0: No one. That, oh, no one showed the up. <laughs> oh, there you go.
2: <laughs> my husband, my mom, yeah. dad and husband. husband. Yeah.
0: So to write but to write these letters for someone who has now admitted to the fraud and it has been found out to be a fraud. I always find that interesting. But the point about what you were saying, Charlie, about her craving this attention nancy is that even her own brother i believe wrote in one of the letters about how he felt that this that was the genesis of it
2: that she craved
0: attention
2: attention. yeah and 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 maybe so i mean we're finding out more you know i I, i've found out so much about her you know before she was diagnosed and now you know when i say diagnosed but um yeah i mean the blog was extremely emotional. It was extremely endearing to who she was. Um, it, it As I, I said, talking with, with Charlie with for the podcast, like it was a soap opera because she took you on this journey of, you know, being at her lowest of lows. So many chemos, the you know, the sickness, the the ailments that go along with that to the, you know, a, as we say, you know, terminal miracle, terminal remission. And it, it's a journey. It's a roller coaster. And You're rooting for her. And I would imagine, you know, the thousands at that church, it's the power of prayer. Like she pulled in their their help by asking for prayers constantly. You know, they they gave her a forum at church. She was up on stage, almost like a preacher, you know, giving her testimony. So they had so much invested in her Um, and 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 that's a nice thing. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, she had a huge support system
0: explain to me and and i know that your podcast isn't just the crime your podcast is about amanda the the seeds of who she is and how she pulled this off within family and friends but the one thing that i i and i don't want to reveal too much because i know in your Mm multi-part podcast you will be revealing so much in detail but here's the part that i as a journalist am fascinated about How'd she do this? Because she had photos of herself in doctor's offices. Um, She had pictures right where she was in a hospital saying she's getting this treatment here and that treatment there. How did she do
2: that? How did she how basically how'd she (laughs) how'd she do that? What I will say to that that question, right? Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) it's a full-time job let's put it that way uh if only she would have gotten a job uh you know think about it you know if people you know or maybe yourself something happens to you or you feel faint you don't feel good you go to an emergency room right Mm -hmm. emergency room's job is to treat your symptoms and to bring you in and to see what's going on and how you're feeling right um in an emergency room in in a bed in an emergency room you can take a lot of pictures of yourself you can you lay in there for hours. Sometimes you're, you're being wheeled around to different places, right? Um, oh, I, I fainted. Oh, you're dehydrated. Let me give you an IV. Let's give you some, you know, uh, something for that. Oh, now I have an IV in my arm. Let me take some pictures of that. Um,
0: Are you saying that she went to hospitals under false oh, yeah. pretenses and that she squeezed herself in there and then started taking pictures all for the purposes of saying, "But no, really, I'm at so and so getting
1: chemo." Yeah. So yeah. she just. She didn't just sit at yeah. home and blog about it. She did do all of it. And that's why it's so you hard know, to pin her down because she did go to hospitals. She, she did go did to doctors, travel. not, not yeah.
2: oncologists, but I don't feel good. My heart is racing. I have some problems. Oh, let me refer you to a cardiologist, okay? So, you know, you've been to doctors. Well, you go into a doctor's room, they hook you up to, let me check your heart. You're telling me your heart's racing. They run tests on you. Well, those are a lot of great pictures, you know. So, so,
0: so that's how she pulled off the visuals of her visually, illness.
2: Uh, okay. for, I would say, yeah, the, the vast majority. You know, did she ever have like, I don't know, some kind of, you know, very low type of procedures done in life? And then she saved some pictures, maybe. But she also would wander the halls of hospitals. You know, you can walk around the hospital late at night. You could walk around. You can walk into an MRI room. You, you'd be shocked at places you can go. Hmm. And, and take pictures.
0: Well, what about the specialist, right? Because it, she had cancer, then it went into remission. Then when she was pregnant with the second child, didn't the cancer come back again, which was like while she was pregnant, you know,
1: wasn't that part of the storyline? Yes. Yeah. Yes. She went into remission. I think I counted four or five times. Oh, yeah. And the way that, the way that, I, so when when I first started making the podcast and putting it together and writing it, I was like, "Okay, what? What's so fascinating about this is the cycle to me is the psychological and behavioural element of what she did, and I think it's, it's you know it's categorically wrong, and I'm really sorry for everybody she hurt because it wasn't about the money. I feel it was about the violation, and again, for anybody that's ever been affected by this. However, the human behavior side of things is fascinating. So I wanted to take listeners on a journey where you kind of get sucked in yourself. And so we played out all the times that she said that she's won. You know, I won. Screw you, cancer. And then I've I've got some bad news. I went to the doctors today and, you know, it's back. It, and and that was the the up and down of the story throughout. And yes, she did involve her her t- two children,
2: three children, her uh, stepdaughter too. Three.
0: children. Oh, you mean yeah. when she pretended yeah. that she had cancer while she was pregnant? Which of course would be a, the scariest thing for anyone yeah, to hear to that imagine. the cancer's back, yeah, and and that you're pregnant because that really limits your ability to get treatment and the possibility of a baby losing its mom is, is, is horrific. Now, here's, I, I know I'm stuck on this because I'm still trying to figure out how she pulled off, people had to believe her and it couldn't just be, oh, I have cancer. So that's when the documentation and the visuals come into this. As we've said, she posted all these pictures of her, you know, with a shaved head and she's in this this medical center and that medical center. Now, wasn't part of the scam here that she traveled the country to meet these experts in the area of which she was ill. And Nancy, didn't you track her down to some New York doctor or something?
2: Yeah. So, yes. So um, and again, it's it's this illusion, right? This manipulation. So, yeah, she was she was flying back and forth to New York for a very special clinical trial. Um, She was very careful. She would she would give information that was very specific about the treatments, but not necessarily name the doctor or name. So she you had to kind of figure it out. <laughs> and that took quite some time. But when I ultimately did. Um, what she was claiming to have done and to be participating in didn't exist. OK, so it, I was able to fact check that type of stuff. Um, but, you know, she did go there and get a consultation so Ooh. you can you can go right? You could say, I have Hodgkin's lymphoma. I'm looking for my next treatment. I've heard all about your facility. Please tell me about my options.
0: Wow. That is so complicated. <laughs> like how to, how to prove that this is all false in, in this world where your medical records and your medical information is so protected in the United States. Yeah, sure. I mean, how you worked on this for years, Nancy, for years. How yeah. were you able to crack this?
2: Well, I mean, her her blog was key because everything was in her own words and her experience. So the detailed information she did provide um, is what I focused on. So I focused on the facts, where where she ultimately was treated, the type of treatment, the type of drugs, um, what they cost, you know what? any procedure and things she said she had done and and gave very specifics, Um, I was able to fact check through sources at those facilities. Um, And I just kept a very thorough log um, for uh, probably 18 months at the minimum of like, that was enough to say, hey, you know, somebody help. This is out of control now, you know. So, you know, and I just like a, a quick example, you know, she would, she would say, oh, oh, I'm here for my whatever treatment in New York. OK, so I knew I knew the facility because she had named it at one point. Um, I was in touch with them. Right. And I explained to them my situation, sent them the blog. They were not happy to see this. They made that clear to me, though they couldn't say much more. So, you know, basically, I was able to say, oh, hey, did anyone come for treatment today that had a lung collapse? You know, um, and they'd say, absolutely not. We don't have anybody in treatment today. We are not administrating that drug this week. So it's things like that where she was claiming, here I am, here I am, here's my IV, blah, blah, blah. I could fact check the facts with the facility itself, not about her, just about them in general. Does that make sense? It does. So
0: while Nancy is working on the facts and trying to disprove much of what is being Put out on her blog and in social media, because as the years went by, as Charlie said, you know, there wasn't TikTok then, but as the years went by, Instagram became that much more popular. Everything was changing and she was growing and changing with it and telling her story in this multi-platform manner. So Charlie, for you, it's more about the Amanda like what makes her tick? Why is she like this? What is it about her journey? Like Nancy sees it from obviously a very <laughs> factual yeah. way and and Charlie, I feel like you're seeing it as okay, let's talk about this criminal. Let's talk about this convicted criminal. What are the seeds? Where are the demon seeds here of this criminal?
1: Yeah and and just listening to you made me realize why I think we're so good together Nancy and I because Nancy is so tenacious. I mean as I'm as I'm I but in a different way right Nancy. So I think Nancy's like fact 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 facts. My brain slightly it is much more of the emotional empath creative side. So I find her so fascinating and her motivations of why she did this and how she got I'm mean, going I don't want to sound like I'm being empathetic towards her but how she got sucked into this whole thing because interestingly listening to Nancy speak about you know she Nancy look at the end of the day I really truly believe that the only reason why this woman stopped so far and is in prison is because of Nancy because people shut the door on Nancy so yeah. many times and she pursued and it I don't want to speak for Nancy, but it became very personal for her because Amanda then targeted Nancy. And But for me, she could have stopped and got away with this. Even when the police first contacted her, they did, they spoke to her. She went to the police station without giving too much away and went, here you go, here's my medical letters. So she offered them up. If she'd have walked away then and stopped, she wouldn't have gone to prison they wouldn't have been able to carry on the investigation. There was so many times she didn't stop when she was given the opportunity to, she knew Nancy was, was pursuing her. She knew Nancy was watching everything she did. When the police first started looking at her, she just pushed more and she knew they were watching her. So what is it about a person that does that? That's what I think is so fascinating. And even now I've been in contact with her and she thinks Nancy is the enemy. She actually called her the enemy. Nancy's the vindictive one. And she even questioned, you know, I came at this, um, without making Nancy seem as if she's not independent, like I I came at this, Nancy did all this amazing fact checking and went after Amanda way before she met me. And then I came, I got involved. And then I came at it as a storyteller and more of an independent journalist. But she thought I was hired by Nancy. <laughs> and initially I was like, you know, I'm not on anybody's side. I'm looking at this from a independent. I'm an independent journalist. I can't I can't lie about anything like and I'm right. a storyteller. That's how I approached it. And she thought that I was hired by Nancy or the ex-wife, which we haven't touched upon. Yeah, we should touch upon <laughs> <laughs> the ex-wife. Sorry, I should say her name because she's a wonderful person, Alita. Um, who is the wife, the ex-wife of Amanda's husband, who I'm sure we're going to get onto shortly. <laughs> so, yeah, it was much more of a, you know, when you listen to it, the it's, you know, yeah, she, you, you said she got convicted. We went to her sentencing, which, again, was another story in itself because it was so bizarre, which we can talk about in a minute if you want. <laughs> It was totally bizarre. I I was like, like being an observer. And in the podcast, I try and play that out again because it was bizarre to watch. And her reaction was bizarre to watch. Again, going to your point about the psychological, emotional side. But again, when you when you listen, I mean, honestly, I've I've listened to those episodes. I no exaggeration. I say at least 300 times each Mm -hmm. trying to put them together and I'm still. I still get drawn in, and every time I listen, and I wrote the damn thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, all right, I, I think Charlie's kind of led us into this direction of the investigation and a little bit more about her and how this happened. So, yeah. Nancy, this came in as uh, a tip, and so at what point in Amanda's fraud? does the tip kind of come in? How long had she been perpetrating the fraud when someone in her world is like, you know what, we got to do something about this. Yeah. So give us that
2: time frame. So, so at the time I, I got a anonymous email. Um, I was looking for cases and stories. Um, cause I do that all the time, right? You know, Anna, right. we've worked hundreds of stories together and I had gotten an anonymous email that said, Hey, there's a woman, Amanda C. Riley. Here's her here's her blog, here's her, you know, Facebook, a blog. This this is who she is and um she's faking cancer and I know it and can you do something about it? Can you help? What can you do? If you can do anything you should, right? Um and that was in like 2015. So she has she had already been uh blogging for about 3 years. Okay. But so I would just
1: to interrupt. There's a yeah. twist in that. But I cause what I saw Nancy's face and I was like, she's not gonna give it there's a twist in that. We found out more stuff. Like yeah. 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 But,
0: but that's gonna be in the podcast, not to be <laughs> shared now. I'm okay. Like, spoil it. <laughs> we'll close that door.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what you know a little uh, shining a light on something like this when uh-huh. more people come out of the woodwork. Um yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Put it that way. Uh, so so I had my initial launch off was three years worth of blog already. Okay. Um, And so, which was great. You know, I was like, okay. And again, it's a soap opera. Did you believe it, Nancy?
0: At what point, Nancy, did you say, because, you know, you get, I get these all the time. People reach me through social media or through my website. Please look into this case. Please look into this case. Uh, And I try my best to look into the ones I can. Um, But there's a point in which a journalist says,
2: Hmm. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. So reading it at face value, my uh, re- my initial reaction was this woman's dying. Like, "Ooh, this person's very <laughs> sick. Come on. Come on. Like she's dying. Right. This is sad. This is, you know, there's uh, monitors and babies and, you know, I survived and, you know, celebrations and then tear. It, it, yes. It, it was very difficult to. Start saying so. I had to. I had to really think about. Well, first, like, like you said, how, what do I do? How do I? How do I start fact checking that? And at the time, um, you know, my own sister passed away from cancer very young. She had two young children. Um, wh- looking at those photos and reading Amanda's journey, it was all too real. I mean, I lived it with my sister, right? So it was extremely relatable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I reread it and I looked again and she started naming, you know, procedures or drugs that I knew you know, I went through with my sister. So I, I knew how to do the research. I knew how to um, explore clinical trials because I had done it for her. You know, so I, I I had that bit of knowledge. And then when I started Say okay, this woman, this this woman is supposed to, you know, be faking this. Let me let me look at it through different lenses. I was able to start picking out some nuances that I felt like, oh, okay, I don't remember that with my sister. I don't remember that, and um, and so I contacted a, a dear friend of mine that actually helped with my sister find clinical trials. That's what she does. That's her job. She places patients with that. And so I said, listen, will you look at this blog with me? Would you redline anything that stands out to you, so I know like what direction to look at? And she was kind enough. She was like, "Absolutely, Nancy, I'll take a look at it." And so, you know, she was an expert at that. So she looked at it. She sent me notes and she said, "Right here, this drug combination, this this this, this isn't a trial. This doesn't exist." You know, those are your those are your jumping off points. Um, so, you know, it was kind of this this battle within myself. And and you know, I, I know I've said it before and in talking with Charlie. It's like it, my sister. You know, couldn't choose to have cancer, right? Yeah, you, you, nobody can choose to have cancer. This woman chose it, and it just, it just made me infuriated, right? And it just disgusted. It, it lit that that fire that I was like, mm, yeah, we're not doing this. We're you know, this we're we're taking her down if that's needs does that's, that has to happen because I just felt like it wasn't fair. And the, and also, the more I looked into it, I, I pulled court records, things that she was involved in. Um, And looking at that, uh, it painted a picture that I was like, oh, this goes beyond just faking cancer. I mean, her and her husband were they were involved in a custody battle that I pulled court papers on. And I I really felt like they were very disingenuous to the courts and to that that woman and her daughter. So and that's where Alita came into it. Um, I eventually reached out to her to kind of get some background and to understand more about who Amanda and her husband were. So, Nancy, it I
0: mean, you've been working on this for years, for years and years, and we're going to get to that point. But I just want to jump to Charlie for a second. Yeah. So, Charlie, while Nancy's doing all of this, can you just give us an idea of where Amanda fits in, like uh, married with children, like give us that picture um, that we're missing here because we haven't had a chance to talk about that.
1: Yeah, so that's the other element to this. You've got the wire fraud, you've got the blogs and the influencer side of it, the infiltration of the community, the church, but then there's a family element of what she did and there was a big family element and that's how we actually start the podcast to to set the scene around it. So she, at the time when Nancy starts looking into her and she gets this anonymous um, tip from uh, her source, who by the way, still remains anonymous because she was scared about what Amanda would do to her. So that just puts mm. to perspective of um, the other side of this woman. She was married and she had a, a child who is her stepdaughter, so the daughter of her husband, who she called <laughs> bonus. <laughs> a bonus child. Yeah, bonus daughter. No, mm-hmm. bonus daughter to, to everyone and to her face. So. She was her bonus daughter. So Amanda is
0: married to a man named Corey. Corey and Corey yeah. had a child from a, from previous, a previous marriage. marriage. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they
1: were not divorced. They were going through... Sorry, they were divorced, but going through a custody battle of the child when Amanda and Corey were married. Now, <laughs> I don't want to give... I'm going to give it away because it's so good. Um, <laughs> also awful. Um, she actually... How can I explain this? She was actually part of that home and that marriage, but she was brought in by the wife to help another daughter who was going through cancer when Amanda was only a 17 year old to come and help her with extracurricular activities. And she ends up with the husband (laughs)
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> that's an old story. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. So um, she ends up with Corey
0: and then yes. they they marry and they have two children, correct?
1: Correct. Well, yeah. Well, yes. To two, yes. Th- together, they have two children. Yeah, they had two biological boys and then they had the stepdaughter, Jessa, who she called her bonus daughter. And she fought for custody over her And as Nancy said, Nancy looked into the she pulled the court basically records from that custody battle and she was using her cancer to be able to try and get custody of the poor child. Once Amanda, you know, married Corey,
2: it was that wasn't enough. She she wanted that life. She wanted the. She wanted Jessa also. You know, Mm -hmm. she didn't want there to be any type of co-parenting for whatever reason. In her mind. So, so, Jessa, and for people
0: who are trying to follow here, Jessa is the <laughs> biological daughter of Amanda's new husband, Corey. Yeah, and, and she and Alita. Yeah, and Alita. Okay, so, so and
2: when, when I, yeah, this when is I, like a family
1: drama as well. Right, yeah. right.
2: So when I, when I was trying to kind of get to know who everybody was, I I reached out to to uh, Alita. Um, I did it. Very vaguely and very like, hey, I'm you know trying to learn a bit about um, your ex husband and his wife. I know she's battling cancer, and and my approach as a journalist at that point, there was a lot of tweeting and Instagram things of church members and friends trying to get Amanda on various TV shows because they wanted, you know, Ellen. She's a mom of two. She needs your help. You know, people were calling out her and her sickness in, you know, to get support. Right. So right. I was saying, I you know, I, I looked into the due diligence of who she is. And I mean, Alita couldn't have been more gracious. She said, you know, I have nothing. I'm going through a horrible situation with them, but I, I will not t- say anything horrible about them because she is dying of cancer. And, you know, I, I, that comes first. And mm-hmm. all I can do is, you know, make sure I get as much time with my daughter as possible. So, you know, she was just so genuine in wanting to protect her daughter. And and she had such a big heart about what Amanda was going through because her other daughter, she has other children as well, went through a cancer battle. So she knew what they were up against and um, she felt terrible. You know, she was, she was big enough to put her own... Ugh, horrible custody battle in the background so that Mm -hmm. they could heal with this cancer they were dealing with. Um, So then
0: Nancy, as you're working this case and you're working this for years, at what point do the, once you realize, wait a minute, I believe that there's genuine fraud going on here. This is a scam. I believe that's when you came up with the name Scamanda. (laughs) Brilliant name. (laughs) Um, When did the police or the authorities become involved and did that in itself, was that a difficult process?
2: Yeah, so when when I felt comfortable enough and I've talked to enough people, and by then, um even my my source was willing to talk to authorities because there was some key information from them. Um, once I was able to get a, a couple of you know things together and then my extensive information, I reached out to um the what's called San Jose Police Department because that's where she was from. and it was a financial fraud division. And that was a detective Martinez. And I left many messages I left. <laughs> so I'm like, you have to call me, please just give me a minute, you know. And then I I emailed him very thorough information and all neatly packaged to try and, you know, make it simple, you know, to kind of get the gist of it right away. Um, and he a couple of weeks went by and then he he finally called me and said, listen, you know, This is tough. I'm a a one man department. He explained a lot of things to me and he said, but let me take a look. Let me see. Let me see what this is. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah. And then from there, he got back to me. He's like, I'm in. Let me let me see what I can do. Um, And he could take it, you know, he could take it to a point. um, And when we we talked to him at length in the in the podcast and he explains how and what he was able to do and to get to a certain point. But he, you know, he did talk with Amanda, like Charlie said. He he had a back and forth with her. Um, Nancy,
0: did you ever speak with Amanda?
2: I know, Well, yes, you eventually did. in court. Yes. But before that, uh, no, I may I spoke to an attorney um, that was vaguely representing her at one point. And I left uh, one voicemail for her offering her to speak to me at any time.
0: Right, because as you're investigating this, once you figure out what the case or the story is, as investigative reporters as all of us are, and for those of you who aren't, that's generally what you do. You first have to figure out, is there something there that's potentially suspicious? Um, You look for the supporting documentation for it. And then you always have to go to the person who is central to the case or the investigation to give them ample opportunity to respond, to explain all of these things. You can't just like not include that person in your conversation. But she never she knew who you were. You you got on her radar, but she refused to ever sit down and say, Nancy, let me explain to you. I have cancer. She never did that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And what what she digested and took away from it was that Alita, the ex-wife, hired me to spread lies, right? Mm. So there was never her, oh, someone's on to me. That, that, that's not what she put out there. What she put out there was the ex-wife was a horrible individual who was trying to ruin her. Wow. He she ruined the ex-wife's life, yeah. basically.
1: But she, and she have to is, understand. A, to add to that... And and then could carry on, Nancy, because just to add yeah. to that, to so everybody understands, that was the narrative she was already putting out there to get custody of the child, right? So yeah. she was already, that wasn't a new narrative. She was already spinning that narrative so she could get custody of her stepdaughter called her bonus daughter, Jessa, and that narrative already existed. So then when Nancy came along, she just plugged that into the narrative. Well, look. I told you, I told you what this ex-wife is doing. Now she's got this, this, um, what did she call you initially? Like a report, a friend, a reporter. A, she oh yeah, a
2: reporter. She hired it, a,
1: this or, woman. Or invest, yeah, hired this yeah, woman. She, to to now really, do this
2: to me. So you yeah. can see
1: how it worked because- I'm not only dying a, of cancer, but now, now I have this. was already there.
0: Yeah. Now I'm being attacked so people, yeah. on and top then, of it.
1: And in a way, what Nancy did at that time was gave um, Amanda proof in a way- If 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 Amanda could spin that lie, that was just more proof that look at what look at what the ex wifes doing to me. She's now she's now telling me I'm lying and look at me. I'm I'm dying. You can see I'm dying. I've got a shaved head. Look at all my pictures. So in a way, it was it just fueled her her continuation. Right. And and in that process, you know, um,
2: Alita's life was destroyed. I mean, imagine you're trying to co-parent. You want to go to your your daughter's recital or game and you are now vilified. They don't want you at the school. They don't want you. They don't want you signing her out of school because you are this horrible person that is that is doing this to this woman dying of cancer. So this poor woman, you know, it's so it's 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 so much more than just a a money grab, you know, it's it's a horrific tale of what this woman was able to do. So as the years go by
0: and the investigation progresses and it, it becomes a case much bigger than anything that the San Jose Police Department can do because there are potentially federal crimes that are involved. So how does this case then get on the radar or how does it, it moves from, it moves from san jose to the irs
2: yeah that that was yeah so uh in in talking with detective martinez he was able to make some key leaps which was fantastic and he was he was getting a bit frustrated i was getting a bit frustrated again it's a it's his investigation i wasn't doing his his work (laughs) but of course i'm sitting there waiting for like just just arrest her you know um so you know there's a little bit of that but um Uh, I was I was my father-in-law was a retired IRS agent. And so I talked to him about a bunch of different cases I've worked on in the past. And and I've done cases profiling the great work of, you know, IRS cases. And so we were talking and he just looked at me and he said, says Nancy says that's wire fraud. He said you should contact the local IRS department. I said, What do you mean? He said she is getting funds over the Internet. She has a website. She's getting the donations. That's the wire. This is all wire fraud. Whatever she is collecting on that end, she he said he said and he said he goes, that's a unique one for the IRS. You should really you should reach, you know, give it a go. You should reach out to someone. So I talked to Detective Martinez and I said, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Everything I sent you and all that, I'm going to do the same. I have a couple of contacts at the IRS from stories I've done. You know, I'm going to send it out. He was like, go for it too. And he was, he had worked a bit with the IRS on some cases and he said, yeah, let's, let's do it. That's great. So that's what wow. we did. I, I sent it on its way. Um, I would say, let's see, almost five months <laughs> went by of like crickets. And I was like, you know, leaving messages and like, Hey, hello, <laughs> come on. Um, and then my phone rang one day and uh, special a special uh, agent Arlette Lee, uh, said, she's like, I'm so sorry. I haven't gotten back to you. I've had a lot going on in my life. You know, again, I think a motivating factor, she was dealing with a close family member going through chemotherapy and cancer. Oh my goodness. Um, She said, I cannot believe what I'm looking at. Um, I need, I need, I need some time to really delve into this. And uh, if we decide to move forward, the last thing I will be able to tell you is, you know, I'm working this case and then there's a wall you know so because i as media and then also her source uh there had to be a wall and so of at that point it was handed over um you know she had all the information and then she did her thing you know, so and, and now a very lengthy you know a federal investigation oh so they they turn everything they subpoena you know medical they do, they do it all and they do it all without The person knowing
0: (laughs) that's the amazing part, because, you know, at the heart of the crime here was um, did she or did she not have cancer? Because if she had cancer, then, you know, you can do whatever. But if the medical records show that she did not have cancer or that she'd never been treated for cancer, that would be the crux of the of the fraud part of this. And the only ones who could actually ever truly get those records legally would be the authorities.
1: Yeah. And that's so, the, that's the point about it is that lying itself isn't a crime. Kind of should be, no, lying <laughs> itself isn't a crime. It's not illegal. So even though she was doing all this talk to people and lying, it still wasn't necessarily a crime. It's the fact that she got money over the internet, because even the money that we, you know, we said at the beginning of your yeah. show, like the money that people gave her by hand in cash, people threw cash on the stage in church. There's pictures of her with cash at her feet. that's was- a
0: great photo. That yeah. is a
1: marvelous photo. Yeah, uh, that fo- that photo is on our website actually at LionsgateSound.com if people want to see some of the imagery because all her blog posts um got taken down. So we have them, but they're not actually available on the internet. But we've shown mm-hmm. some imagery that we're allowed to um, on our website. But she. So it was the fact that they had to connect what she was asking the funds for over the internet to whether it was true or not. That's So that's why it yeah. was so hard to to technically get, because they had to give the evidence. And then, ironically, the thing that, that she was putting out there, her blog, w- became the evidence. Right, yeah, right.
2: They, they account for every dollar that came in to support Amanda, because that was her site. And then went into that bank account and where it went, um, and they they painstakingly track all of that, mm. um, you know, and that's that's how they get to that the point. And you know, one of the hardest things is that tech. That they have grand juries. They have you know search. They, they do a lot, and and it takes time. And you know, just on a, a personal for me having to sit there and watch people continue to give and her continue to solicit and dying and remission and people, it, it was it was horrible. Yeah, because, and I did, you know, personally I, I would reach out here and there because I was still working it for my own benefit, my own story to be able to tell. Because um, I thought, well, oh, I could just drop a little couple of hints, you know, by contact this person. That just gave three thousand dollars and just say, Oh, so I'm working on this story. Maybe they would say, Oh, I won't do that again, right? No.
0: No, because they believe I was not well, her, was not not well you.
2: received. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, and you I weren't. feel
2: terrible. You know, it's like I tried. I you know, I, I was and there was a handful that I was well received by, um, that were very thankful. They were very saddened and they were very upset, but they they then Mm -hmm. could you know step back and then take another look and feel confident um you know in what i was saying and or you know how i was approaching them and so you know i i I tried i mean listen at one point you know i i i sent a a very like you like you said like what a journalist would do an email to the brothers because they were the ones that put up the website for her you know was a very extensive thing about my brothers put this website for me you know, I, I emailed two emails. The first one was I see there's this this, fun, you know, uh, website, you're collecting all this money. Here's who I am. Here's what I'm looking into. And here's 10 questions I have about the handling of the money. Um, I never heard from anyone, but I thought at least maybe. Maybe that would send a light, but to the family to say, hey, maybe take a look at what's going on here, but then three or four more years kept going and they were there supporting her and it was it was like you know
0: Well, I, you know, if you genuinely believe that this person has cancer and you're either a good friend of them or related to them, and then Nancy Moscatello starts bothering you through emails or calls and you're like, well, wait a minute, who am I going to believe? The person here with the shaved head, you know, who is suffering and I see her suffering and I see how it's affected our whole family versus Nancy Moscatello. Who the hell is she? Right. I, I mean, if you put it from that perspective what you were asking was like really out of left field like where did this woman come from where did she get this idea and ultimately nancy you were the truth teller in this one and Mm -hmm. you were always the truth teller and people don't always like the truth it can be especially painful and in this case it was so i want to get to the part where um two things so Because that wall gets erected between if you're whenever you're a working journalist and then the authorities are involved, then, you know, this is, I think, the the hardest part about being a journalist. You've you've got all this great stuff and you think you should be a part of what's going on in the investigation. And they're like no, (laughs) you are not a part of this. (laughs) And this, we're not going to talk to you for a very long time, which is like, really
2: guys, I brought you this story. This is how you treat me. But, and it's just the reality. Let me explain the the one thing I, what I continued to do and what I was able to do because, because it wasn't crossing any boundary was if, if I came across someone or anything I felt could be helpful, I would just, I would just email it off, you know, or I would say to the person, you know, here's the person who's in, I believe it, you know, here's the person investigating it. Here's their number. Here's their email. You know, if you feel up to it, you may want to talk to them like you talk to me Um, and I would leave it at that. And then if they reached out eventually to Arlette or to, or to detective Martinez, um, great. And so I tried my best in that aspect. Like if I felt, there were some key people, or even information I found, I always directed it to them without me doing it. You know, I just said, Hey, right. hey reach out. You deal. Uh, and that felt good that I could at least try. try you could and, keep, you know. right. Yeah.
0: And then there is this moment. There are many pivotal moments, but there's this one morning at Amanda's house, <laughs> a pivotal moment when the authorities come knocking with search warrants and, um, Nancy is only Nancy can gets gets a tip, right, that this may possibly be happening. And this is how I end up there. <laughs> I have just worked on this the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest bit over the years. Uh, as you know, True Crime Daily has uh, included it in our website when she was finally arrested, when she, you know, was convicted and sentenced and all of that. So. Um, that is the only part that I know about this case. Is that-
1: so, so shall I? Uh, shall I ask the questions for like two seconds? Sure. <laughs> Nancy. Yeah. So, there you go. So Nancy asked Ada to um, come with her to the uh, raid at Amanda's house. So would you like to both explain what that was like?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's <Yes>. the question. <laughs> I, I always say there's few people I, I go out for the morning with uh, Anna's one. And of course uh, there's, there's a couple others, but. Uh, you so know. Anna's
1: voice, if it's okay to say Anna is, yeah. is, is a little bit in <laughs> our podcast. And um, because Anna wonderfully explains and with Nancy um, what that moment was like. And then we have Detective Martinez, who was there. He was the um the police representation running the case, who Nancy initially contacted. And so was Special Agent Arlette Lee. And and Detective Martinez explains to us and helps us get into Amanda's head because he actually sat with Amanda while the raid was going on. Um, which by both of your accounts, was very aggressive, and and we we can hear that, and we have audio of that as well in our podcast. But what I found so fascinating about that moment is Detective Martinez told us that he sat with Amanda while her house was being turned upside down. Imagine what that must be like. I I would. I, I don't know. I'd be anxious. I'd be running all <laughs> over the place. I'd be like, yeah. oh my gosh, what have I done? I'd be so scared. Right. Your
0: kids are home. It, yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> before the sun comes up yeah. and all of a sudden it's as you see it on television, they yeah. storm your house, every inch of it.
1: And apparently she was, well, not apparently Detective Martinez told us that she was as calm as you like, just sat there nonchalant. So, you know, Am I yeah. going to get out? Latinos, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Amanda C. Riley, then. Yeah. So, well, will the kids be able to get to school then? Maybe. Yeah. And that's <laughs> the conversation <laughs> happened. Mind blowing. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah.
2: And I don't know yeah. if, you, Anna, if you remember when we were. You know, we we're on public streets out in the uh, the front, you know, and it, watching it all go down, and the husband. The husband's out front Corey, with the search warrant in his hand and you know here what he's saying is this is all nancy's fault this is nancy because you know and i think i'm standing there with anna and the and i'm just like oh my god like they're blaming me <laughs> what <laughs> like and that's no the thing. amazing
0: part of this of this whole story and of the podcast as well that you all have brilliantly done and i'm obviously it's not all out yet. It's 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 coming out, um, you know, in segments, in episodes, is that you become the bad guy.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: You become the bad guy and they get so angry with you. It's not that they're being investigated because it's <laughs> fraud and this is a scam. It's being investigated because of Nancy Muscatello and it, Nancy is the problem. And in fact... They got really mad at you and went after you.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. They uh, they sued me, uh, and mind you, this is after their homes raided. After they know there's a federal investigation, um, you would think maybe you would go
0: into remission,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, Everything's fine. Point. I'm
0: in remission. Yeah. We're done.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that was my point earlier. Yeah. You asked me, Anna, about about the psychological appeal to me of of this character, of this this story is that she could have stopped and she could have, she could not be in prison right now. She could just be with her family and her two kids, yeah. psychological kids that she's left behind. But instead she just went after Nancy and, and Alita, Alita. And the ex-wife, yep. and said it was though they were being vindictive. They had it in for her and, she, and they actually called publicly Nancy the enemy and try to discredit Nancy, which, you know, I know know Nancy comes across as this, Nancy's gonna hate this, I'm gonna say this. (laughs) She's gonna be like, no. Um, Nancy comes across as this incredibly tough, strong um, person, which she is, but that's horrible for somebody to try and discredit. You know, Nancy's so experienced um, as an incredible investigative journalist and producer, reporter, everything. And they tried to discredit her, and that's when I said earlier it became personal. And that that's horrible thing to happen because people then start to question you. Well, well yeah, it, it, it,
2: it tarnishes, you know, m- me and and my next my next job, my next whatever, you know. If if I was to have something on my my record as that, like, you know, that's not okay. That that's that's a problem, and you know. Um, they she became very inept in in using the court system. Um, Like I said, with the ex-wife can't the cancer was in every document you had from her bankruptcy to the custody. Now, remember, this isn't her daughter. This is her husband's daughter. But somehow in all the court filings, it's about her and her cancer because mm-hmm. the husband, of course, is paying thousands upon thousands a month in a medical hardship so how could he possibly pay child support and how could he possibly Mm. right okay so every facet they used that cancer diagnosis to to manipulate the courts and it worked the bankruptcy courts were bending over backwards for them to switch the dates when can you come in oh i have a bone marrow transplant i mean there's some stuff we uncovered that's in the podcast, um, uh, them dealing with the bankruptcy courts because um, we we were able to get recordings. Yeah. Wow. Underage, you know, um, yeah, wow. that, was, that was wonderful for the pie. So that's something to look forward to because, wow. you know, when I pulled those bankruptcy papers, they had mm, 180,000 in debt and not one medical bill. Okay but they're telling the courts we are so destitute we have so much problems because this cancer is costing us thousands a month i can't even do child support i can't do that so you know for them to then use it against me you know what it, it was working for them so mm-hmm. it was working for them in every aspect
0: were you and, scared uh, i mean were you scared that even though you were right and you were and you had the truth on your side you know, sometimes that doesn't matter. It doesn't always
2: work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say it's not scared. It's it's you get a self-doubt, you know, and um, you get that. Like, oh, like, oh, shit. Am, am I wrong? <laughs> like, right? Did I get you know, this you, wrong? Oh, you, you my question God, yourself. Yeah. Um, and I have plenty of friends that like to, you know, razz me up to and just say, oh, you better hope you're right. <laughs> you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. my own children, Uh, you know, mom. those kids could be orphans. What do you do? Like they they try just to get in my head, you know, but but yeah, it's when it comes to my livelihood, my work, something I love and I would be, you know, crushed if I couldn't continue doing um, because of something like this. Yeah. Then that, that's, that's absolutely, you know, scary if you want to say It is scary.
0: No, I agree with you. I, I'm always... Um, always, if I'd ever get called in about something, I'd be like, oh my God, did I misread that? You know? And then of course you didn't, but you're like, you doubt yourself because if you are an honest and humble human being, you have to accept the possibility that you were fallible. And, you know, but the point is to always, you know, have oversight on things and not be okay. So now let's get to the point where she gets arrested. How does this come down? This is like how many years later?
2: Yeah, so it took federal authorities for, you know, however that system works, they have to wait to see the grand jury. They go through that whole process. Um, from my perspective, it was about almost four years, you yeah. know, but again, there was, there's something from, the, that from the time on. of the search warrant, it was like another four years. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. It was, yeah. wow. Yeah, so there
2: was four more years of scamming. And it's not, no, that no, it's not, stop. it's not the, you know, it's not, the, it's, Things move slowly, but also what I learned, you know, administration changes, change uh, U.S. attorneys, change priority of cases. Like, think there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that, you know, that uh, Special Agent Lee had to champion the case you know, uh, and keep it going and keep it alive and keep it at the forefront in order to be able to move forward to actually then indict. It didn't help that um, the pandemic was happening at that time. Mm, right. So the court really just slowed down. Um, so there's, there was a lot of that taking place um, during that time. And it was also the it was the first the first type of of this this fraud for the, an IRS case, at least from what yeah. uh, Agent Lee was able to research, because, you know, of course, it's wire fraud. That's a very generic. That's a, But the the act of what she did, the cancer, all of that was extremely unique. And, and, yeah. and the first time that they took something like this on. So they wanted to make sure, you know, it was lock barrel, you know, it was solid so that that there wasn't a, a cell of cancer in her. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. just that, you know, because it does. I think it's really important because now there's a precedent out there yeah. um, that someone that's, that's, that's trying to pull off something at this, at such a a high level, especially dollar amounts. Um, you know, there's something to be said that, okay, we know what to do with people like this.
1: Yeah. And it was the first just add to what Nancy said yep. it is the first and still the only case of its kind by the IRS.
2: Wow. Amazing. Yeah. And, and to show you how good Amanda is with all of this, because it was a federal, you know, IRS, IRS. So she just twisted it and started telling everyone, Oh my God, all this is is that I got all this money from everyone and I didn't pay my taxes on it.
1: Ah, That's all this is. So the people believe I'm her. just gonna pay Why my taxes pill? and Get this is sentencing. gonna be cleared
2: up. Ignore the letters that you got saying, Hey, you're a victim, Department of Justice just sent out. You know, um yeah, they've got it wrong, yeah. They, they oh, don't that does all that means is I didn't pay my taxes
0: interesting. I didn't realize that spin to it. Yeah. so she so she's she indicted it. <laughs> wow. so, and then, um, I I do recall, just because I'm also friends with Nancy over the years, Nancy you know would send out this text and say, "This is the link." If you you know, because they're back in court and she had all these changes in attorneys, and then she ends up moving and wherever I could, I would try to jump on to hear what was going on uh, with the federal case. What ultimately ends up happening from the time that she's indicted, it it that was yet another long in period of time.
2: Yeah, and that that was a lot due to to the, just the slowdown of the courts with COVID. So um, that just went in. You well, know, you want to call it in her favor to just slow down the whole situation. But uh, you get, you know, she got indicted in 2020, August of 2020. Um, and I it is I think I try. I, I remember reading in the uh, in one of the court filings, her defense attorney made a point of saying in court that it had taken a great deal of time for his client to come
1: to the realisation. Yeah, did um, because she didn't she still didn't. She wasn't going to plead guilty. She wasn't going to plead guilty. She was going to go ahead with a trial. Yeah. And even her defence lawyer said that in court. And what was so interesting is after we went to the sentencing, so she she was indicted and she officially went to prison in September of last year, so 2022. And she was sentenced in uh, exactly a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so May 2022. And she I remember after and I was talking to Nancy, I was like, hang on, she hasn't actually admitted yeah. this. So she, yes, she pled guilty. But even to the to wire fraud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She still, but she didn't she didn't in her statement, and to nobody, she still hasn't admitted that. She lied. So I I went to speak to her after the sentencing and um, she did speak to me outside afterwards. And then we had some conversations and text message conversations. And then we have had back and forth in prison. And, and again, I was fascinated because she still hadn't said that she hasn't, she still hasn't said that she hasn't got cancer. She still says that she's not well. Oh I believe she's not well. I believe that. <laughs> yeah, she says, <laughs> she says physics she's physically she is th- and there's more to it and she isn't well and um and I think it's just fascinating that she I think she still believes her own lies. Hmm. Yeah, you know, when when
2: she finally pled out, you know, there's a there's a there's a process. It's very cookie cutter. And so the judge reads everything about The crime and what you did and blah 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 and then you have to say yes right basically and so it was very formulaic you you don't like she had an opportunity to to at that this is during like when you plead guilty not when you get sentenced she had an opportunity like she just sat there because i went to that um you know and they so you you basically are admitting to the crime but Correct. you're not forced to say, oh, and by the way, oh yes, I don't have cancer. You never, you don't physically say those words,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Her full statement that she gave to court, Amanda's full statement, is in the podcast, and it is, it's compelling. Maybe oh wow! Right, it's compelling, and then the judge's response made the whole courtroom gasp. Ooh! And that—that is mean, that's why. Okay. I mean- Okay, we'll leave.
2: We'll
0: leave that tease there. You're going to have to listen to their podcast. So, as part of sentencing, there's restitution, correct? Yes. Yes. Well, are these people ever going to get their money back? Let's be real.
2: Well, um, yeah, she's she's been ordered to. Yeah, she's ordered to, and um, she any job, there's rules with it, right? You have to maintain a job when you get, like there's things and they take a percentage. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, they they do the best they can, um, you know.
1: But not, but not it, the people they, that it, paid cash, not the people that- Yeah, none of that will
2: ever- remind in yeah. that, yeah. So all mm-hmm. the
1: people that <laughs> online, maybe, yeah. But all the other people that we know gave cash. Yeah. Or and and not just that, it,
2: it's a lot of the people we talked to, it's not about the money like they are so betrayed by it. They just mm-hmm. it's it's they feel like there's justice in her being put in jail. Now, you know, for Alita and, and Jessa. um, There's no re- there's no nothing. I mean, Alita lost out on thousands upon thousands of dollars of child support. At one point she had to pay them child mm. support. She lost out at a year and a half of losing custody of her daughter. Does she um, have a relationship with her daughter? Oh yeah, they they are as close as can be now. Okay, all right. And, so and that that wasn't a fallout. And, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot about the daughter. Um, she's a brilliant, smart young woman, and um, you know, she she catches on to a lot of things during those years, and so we we talk about that. you know, she talks about that, but um, you know, nothing can can get that back for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the damage was so deep, and and honestly, you know, she hasn't you know and i, I spoke to Jessica before doing anything like this and she said it was okay to share she she has she has never heard from her father since the sentencing there was no apology oh. there was no nothing there was <sighs> no oh my god i wow. Feel terrible, so you know all she cares and all about this is,
0: fighting over custody, and I'm trying to get her, and now that she's an adult, I don't have a relationship with her. Come on, you know, that so really think, ticks me off. You
2: know, the biggest loss is for for them not having Jessa in their life, and and you know she misses her, her brothers terribly. I hate if that. If Anything she could change, that's that's what it would be.
1: You so. have to think of the damage that Amanda caused her. I mean, she was just a child, and she's getting pulled all over the place, spun all these lies. The, you the think a is parent is dying wrongly, but the guilt is wrongly placed but now she's also left with the guilt because she did have some of these um in kind services so like the tennis lessons and food and things and she feels guilty for that obviously totally misplaced so she's left with with let's face it trauma and and um, again, she's confided in myself and Nancy and doesn't, doesn't mind us saying, cause we, we would never betray her trust, but you know, she's had left with this and she's having to deal with the mental health repercussions of what this has done to her, because this was her upbringing. This was her time where she should have been, this is her learned behaviors. This is her influence. This was her influence as a child. And to, oh. to be betrayed like that, imagine, imagine, Trying to trust people again. No, your
0: your parents, you know, your dad and your stepmom. Let me ask you this, um, Amanda. Because yeah, we're wrapping up here, Amanda is in prison still, correct? Yes. And Corey, you know, he's still married to her. They're still married. Is there a divorce? What What's happening? You can't say.
2: Uh, yep. As far as I know, married. Okay. Um, And, you know, I'm sure raising the boys.
0: Wow. Wow,
2: wow, wow. You know. Well,
0: you need to be very clear here. Uh, Corey has not been implicated, accused, or anything as part of this investigation. This is only Amanda C. Riley that we are talking about. We want to be absolutely clear there. Of course, the question that many people have is, wow, like, you know, you live with someone and you presumably believe that they have cancer. Um, How does he feel? Is he betrayed? Did he ever figure it out? We have, we don't know, do we? There's no insight into that.
2: I mean, I have my personal insight in it and how I feel. It's like, you know, you're, you're with someone and married with them since what, 2010, they got together. They went through, you know, all the blog, social media, telling everyone, you know, he would say I'm oh, just getting back from chemo. We, we you know, I'm in the, I'm her rock. She's he you know, he went to every appointment with her, according to them, according to her by her side, you know. But
0: he could have been in the weight room. I I mean, there's there's countless cases with especially with women. You, <laughs> what, you know what? Why? Because there's this case that I think of all the time. It's a horrific case out of Texas where a woman pretended to be pregnant and the guy that she convinced that he that she was. And you're like, how can you be with a woman with a fake belly this whole time? And, you know, the man got on the stand and said, well, I would take her for the appointment. I would sit in the weight room. You know, there was always this explanation, that explanation. She showed him the sonogram, the you know, she would get changed in the bathroom or take a shower when you sleep. Do you see what I'm saying? Because yeah. I'm and like, they, how can and- you not
2: know? But he claims he didn't know. Uh, I mean, there's <laughs> lots of folks photos of them together in hospital and together at
1: chemo. And ah. so. it's not the person's responsibility ever to be like, well, why didn't you know it's always the responsibility of the person that committed the crime. So I mm-hmm. agree. with you and I think it's important um, to say, and he didn't, he didn't, they didn't go after him. They went, they went after her and it, it speaks to how people can, manipulate you just gave that example of of that case because manipulation is it's so powerful and coercive control is so powerful so let's let's get to all the details about where you can find this
0: great podcast the we know that the first episode of scamanda was released on may 15th um and it's eight episodes and you take us through the whole arc here. And the episodes will be released how? Because I think when this podcast is released, you'll be in the middle of, of um all your episodes.
1: Yeah, so as you're listening, it will be the third episode will have just been released. And we have eight episodes. Potentially we might have a few more, because we found out some things already <laughs> um, since it's released that we were trying to dig into. And uh, so, yeah, there's even more than them than, than we realize. So we might be dropping some um, bonus episodes as well, but you can find it wherever you listen to your podcast um, on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else. So make sure you check it out and do follow us because um, we'll be dropping more into that feed uh, <laughs> as as we're now covering even more. So it never stops. <laughs> um, that's and, fantastic. Uh, and it's yeah, called Scamanda. Really very deathful. easy
0: to find. <laughs> but you also have a website you say
1: charlie where people can see some photos and some other things yeah lionsgatesound.com we've put um some photos on there so you can see i suppose have a visual of what myself talking about and um but when you listen there's a you'll get to hear amanda's voice through her blog so you will be taken on the journey and get to hear what her blog posts were like
0: Terrific. And exactly. what episode can we expect to, to hear the shocker in court? Where 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 might that fall in? Uh, You're not telling me. Okay, that's
1: telling. No, 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 that's the last episode. So. Yeah, that, that, yeah. So oh. sorry, everyone, because <laughs> people now are like, oh, my God, I just want to binge this. And I'm like, oh, sorry. Like, it's coming out every week, though. So the last And step- has
0: since, I, I, I know the podcast was just released, but have you heard
1: from Amanda
0: at all? On this yet?
1: Oh, um, oh. I oh. I haven't, but I need to check because um we had quite a lot of back and forth recently just before the release. And as of now, she hasn't said no to so she's spoken to me but off the record in a way, and mm-hmm. we've emailed and text and we're emailing through this through a prison. Email. Yeah, that whole core links thing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and um, which is interesting, and some of the stuff she says is interesting, um, because Great. she said there is more side to the story to this. And so, uh, last thing I heard was that she was thinking about speaking to me, but she would let me know. But Nancy can't be there.
0: <laughs> I'll talk to yeah, you, but not Nancy. Definitely come. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I re- thank you so much, Nancy and Charlie. Honestly, this has been wonderful. I love to have these discussions with fellow journalists. And this is a case that I find so fascinating. Just thank so you. Fascinating. We yeah, appreciate thank
1: appreciate it you very much. For All doing, right. Yeah, the for podcast is Scamanda,
0: and- everyone. And you can find this podcast and that podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel, to our, uh, our newsletter, Until next week, this has been a special episode of True Crime Daily, the podcast. I'm your host, Anna Garcia, and as we always say, don't do crime.